Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we have CEO of Title Alliance in the house today, Jim Campbell, good friend of mine, known him for a long time. Jim, thanks for coming on the show. And again, Stacy and I work with the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and in Delaware since 2018. And we're going to talk to Jim about his company, but first we got some news. And if uh, you haven't heard of the real estate startup Picasso, they are starting to pop up in the West Coast in some of the typical markets that you see these startups move into, and they are getting a lot of backlash. So the, the short of this is, if you've heard of Airbnb, it's kind of the same thing. However, you can buy shares of a house as small as an eighth. So you buy a house, you can own one eighth of that, and it becomes a vacation property. And they popped up. They they were formed by former CEO Zillow CEO, not CEO um, Spencer Raskoff, and now all of a sudden, people aren't cool with Picasso coming to their neighborhood. There's an organization called Stop Picasso, which the acronym stands uh, stands for um, San Sonomans because it's in Sonoma, uh, Sonoma County. Sonomans together opposing Picasso, and they are putting signs up. They are protesting this. People are not happy with these homes being purchased in their neighborhood. So we'll start with Stacy, then we'll pivot to Jim. What What do you think about this? Well, I can understand um, people are concerned about the transient nature of um, this type of housing. So even though it's high-end, now this strictly Picasso is for high-end homes um, valued over $2 million. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess they thought that that would, um, you know, pose it a different way or in a different light. But uh, the, the people in the neighborhood, they're not having it. They don't want the transient nature of it. They, you know, they complained about noise issues, um, high traffic, you know, a lot of other things that go along with, you know, temporary housing, so to speak, or, or like short-term <laughs> rentals, that kind of thing. Um, although Picasso, from what I was reading, they, you know, they offered some solutions to these issues to try to make peace in in the neighborhoods. Jim, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you can see it from a number of different perspectives here. So maybe they thought there was some immunity being in that $2 million and above category. But if you think about it, it might have been the exact opposite. <laughs> Correct. Right? <laughs> so right. most people that, that can afford a home of that caliber, they, they want what they want when they want it. Right. And, uh, and obviously, I'm speaking uh, for or against, but you can see what can happen is that when people come in to an area, they're usually coming in for something, some event, having some fun. That's not their normal everyday thing. Right. So, so anytime you see changes, change out there, disruption, uh, people coming in, um, you're going to see people that are not going to be a huge fan of that. Mm -hmm. Well, you bring up a really good point because there's a different mindset when you live in the neighborhood versus when you're there for a couple weeks. And I mean, I think of the Jersey Shore where a lot of us vacation. And have you ever seen the the owner that shares a house, like it's an up and down or a side by side with a vacation rental? The owner doesn't really like when the people come in and out every Saturday, and there's beer cans all over the place and the recyclables and they're making noise and right. doing all the things that people do when they're on vacation. So that might've been a little bit of a miscalculation. And Jim, to your point, you know, usually the people that spend more money on their homes, they're even more particular. And this isn't everybody. Uh, it, it goes both ways, but those people that, you know, that they, they tend to be pretty particular about who comes into their neighborhood, what the houses look like. That's, that's like anywhere else. 
I don't see them going away. They just raised $125 million in Series C funding after getting uh, a pretty high valuation back in March. They call it a unicorn valuation, which is of 75 um, after they raised the first $75 million, and now they have a billion in debt funding. So, I mean, this company's doing well. Spencer Raskoff has done this before, right? He took Zillow very far until Rich Barton came back. So do you see any like laws getting passed here? Because I look at what's happened with Airbnb and it happened in Jersey City. Also in Philadelphia, I mean, they're now um, doing the same thing where, the, where city council just in June is starting to pass tougher Airbnb regulations. How do you guys see this playing out in the local communities? Because that's the really only the pushback that the owners have. Yeah, it, it really depends on their community how they're going to voice themselves and if their voices are going to get heard, whether there's going to be tougher laws um, or these companies will change their strategies or, cha- or you know, make some kind of concessions or have stricter rules and regulations. Um, they might have to abide by, you know, stiffer regulations for each municipality or uh, location. But I know that Picasso said that they were going to add the noise level regulation mm-hmm. to its owner code of conduct. Um, they were also going to have a Picasso appointed point of contact available 24 um, seven. So I think that they're trying to make an effort. I think it's, it's, it's not going over very well, but I do, you know, I, I'm curious to see how this spreads and and takes over or how the regulations are going to come down if they're going to come down hard or um be a little bit more lenient yeah prob- probably not so much in the lean side and every area is going to be different mm-hmm. uh, but one thing for sure there, there's been no shortage of a significant amount of capital coming into markets so when people invest a lot of money they usually have to find a way find a way to make things work Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a big lobbying effort back and forth on these fronts. So, mm-hmm. so I don't think there's going to be a, it's, it's going to work or it's not going to work. I think it's just going to be a, be a dog fight. Mm-hmm. I, I see this playing out different by community by community. I mean, you look at like a place like ocean city or sea isle or some of the places that a lot of people frequent down there. I don't see the owners maybe having as much of an issue there because they're already dealing with this anyway. I mean, it's, right. you know, it might be even better having only eight owners instead of, the week by week rentals that you go through mm-hmm. now, Sonoma County, where this is coming out, that's a much more residential area, but there's a lot of reasons people want to travel there. And it, it's going to be up to, I mean, really how, how involved homeowners are going to be. I mean, right. that, that's really what it all comes down to. So I, you know, I do see anytime there's a new idea like this or something new, people are going to get up in arms. They're going to get a little bent out of shape. And like, like you said, Stacy, the peace offerings that Picasso's tried to offer, they just don't seem to have made much of a difference. Mm-hmm. I do see a future for this company, though, um, and I am clear they're, they're, they're going to find a way here for a couple of reasons. One, a lot of people want to buy second homes and can't afford the whole second home. I mean, and, right. and that's a quality of life thing. If you're able to, you know, you take, what is there, 52 weeks in the year, divide that by eight, let's do the math, whatever it is. That's a much more significant amount of time than going somewhere for a week or two weeks like a timeshare. That's some of the claims from Stop is that, hey, this is a timeshare. You're not a homeowner. I don't really agree with that totally because a timeshare you get like two weeks and it's it, it, it's a much different type of agreement. There's a fee simple owner here with these properties. So that, that that's one component. And the second thing is that, you know, with that kind of money coming in, this company's going to find a way and they've got investors they've got to answer to here. And when you take other people's money, the game changes. You got to be a lot more creative. It's not like, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. Or this community doesn't work. They are. I'm clear they're going to find a way. I don't know how you guys see this playing out, but that that, that that's my uh, observation. 
disruptors do find ways. I mean, you look at the challenges that um, that Uber made it through when yep. it came in. Yeah. Um, Great point. Every taxi service on planet Earth just hated everything about it right. uh, until there, there just came a point where um, they were not able to defend against it. In some areas, local areas, they did where they just you know, shut them. You know, they were shut down. If you go to some airports, like you couldn't come in. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the market spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and spoke at a pretty high level that people were looking for convenience. They were looking for flexibility. Um, and that's not to say taxis are not good things because I know when I, when I travel, which I travel quite frequently, uh, when I land in the airport, I take a taxi because it's the easiest thing to do right then. That's a great point. But after that, I'm, I'm on, I'm going to Uberville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, some airports, I mean, I've seen where you got to walk like, you know, a half mile, you know, you got to go to the pickup zone. There's five terminals. There's only one of them. I mean, imagine if you're in an airport like LAX where it's a total disaster or, you know, versus like Philadelphia is actually pretty convenient for that. So it's a little easier. So that, that, that's a great observation, Jim. Stace, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I am in agreement. I think disruptors will find a way because it's, it's just like Bitcoin, you know, (laughs) they, (laughs) they were pressed with a whole bunch of uh, adversity and pushback and, you know, they're still, they're still in it. Um, so I, I, I agree. They'll one, find a way. One thing I know, hard drivers, entrepreneurs, when they're, when they're focused on a mission to get something done, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. They have some accountability. They have a reputation. They have probably their money involved. Plus they have, Tom, to your point, they have significant investor money in. Yep. Right. That's the key. Yep. Well, And I'll take it uh, another step further. You know, if, if people don't think Spencer Raskoff has something to prove right now after Ooh. Rich Barton came back and said, hey, you know, I mean, it was it was not a, hey, I'm resigning. I think it was, hey, the company's going in a different direction and he was on the board. And you look at how they've pivoted. You know, I, I'm clear that he's on a mission. And what I've seen from him post Zillow has been much more impressive than when he was storting Zillow, in my view. I mean, he's in a lot of different companies right now. He's looking to hit something. I, I've heard him speak about it. So I'm clear that that's a component here. And especially you look at what's happening in the market over the past 18 months. All of a sudden, secondary homes became a lot more valuable than they ever have before. No one could go on vacation last year. The people in New Jersey didn't want people from Pennsylvania coming down there, even though they owned homes. So I think you always get that from these towns. What I know is that people are valuing having control more. They don't want to worry about the hotel regulations. They want to maybe go somewhere and not wear a mask and be on vacation right or wrong. I mean, when you own the home, it's a little different. So understanding that the consumer has changed over the past 18 months, the timing on Picasso here, I mean, it's definitely in the moment. And I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, this has been going on a long time now with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything else. So because of those two factors, I, I, I see them actually probably penetrating more markets than people think and maybe starting to strategically target vacation markets where people want to have that second home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to that point, just go try and buy a house in Avalon. Watch what happens. There's right. probably like three, <laughs> right. a total of three homes that are for sale and you're going to get into a feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but if you a, can, just the way things are. Right. But if you can buy an eighth of a home and, you know, have a place to go. I, I think that's, it is a great idea. Yeah. It so really I'll, is. I'll throw this back. So so what would be the difference? Because I, I agree with you philosophically, Tom, but what would be the difference if we said the three of us, we want to go buy a home together? Like what would be the difference? Is it the platform that's, that's making a difference? Because that would be a possibility. Um, but that's a great question. And, you know, I, I don't know enough about Picasso to answer that question. What I, what I do know is that I look at the market with like iBuyers and these corporate buyers coming in and they're penetrating our market now, which has not really happened a lot before. Even last week, we got an institutional offer on someone that says they want to provide affordable housing on a property in Chester County. And it was an okay offer. Another buyer came in and beat it, but they're just 
they didn't even see the home. They just, they just made an offer and people are looking at residential real estate as a way to invest too. So, you know, I, I don't know enough about the platform. I know that people are ticked off about it, but let's see what we can find out here while we're on the show, because I, I do agree that there's a, a difference in that my, my observation, and I might, I might be wrong here, is that Picasso is going to control the interest. So let's say three of us buy a home and then Stacy and I decide we don't want to work like be in that relationship anymore. And you guys don't like me and you want to throw me out, but we're in this three-way title or, you know, it, it eliminates some of those issues where maybe Picasso can just go buy that, buy that person out if they want out instead of you coming up with the cash or Stacy coming up with the cash. I can't confirm that. That's my understanding, but let me see what I can find out here as we, uh, as we look at this. Um, because I think that's usually the problem with timeshares is you get involved with people and you know, let's face it, having a partner in business is not easy. You're, yes. you're telling me, Tom. I, I mean, I, I've, you know, I, I've been there in, in mm -hmm. some way, not, not in our real estate business, but other things. I mean, having a partner and if you're not aligned with them, let's say you want to renovate the kitchen and you don't want to spend the money. Right. And Jim wants it done, but Stacy doesn't. I mean, that, that's right. an issue. And all of a sudden people are g going Fighting. nuts. Yes. You almost have a mediator in there saying this, these are the rules of engagement. Yep. Exactly. I think so, that's probably yeah, what Picasso does. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. And, and Tom, also to your point, um, I personally don't see the trend with people wanting to have more control of their vacation arena, whatever that may be. Um, I just don't see that changing. You know, right now in the last couple of days, we've gone through some extreme volatility in the stock market. Mm -hmm. Good point. People still have money. They still have plenty of money and there's going to be some concern about how deep am I going to go or stay in the market? So they're going to be looking for other avenues. Yep. And one of the safe havens has always been, even though we all know that we're, we're at highs in many areas, this mm -hmm. we're at the high, high, um, that doesn't mean it's not good to purchase, but we're at a high mark, but they'll be looking for other spots where they can park their money. Mm -hmm. well, that, that's a good point. And that, that and, and that, that's well taken. I mean, I think there, there's some people that maybe they, they, they want to be able to do that. And I think our area kind of caters that a little more because they're so close to these vacation markets. So you're absolutely right. But some people, they may not want to do that. They may want to just pick wherever they want to go and not deal with the maintenance. So great observation. I'm on Picasso's website to answer your question. So here's what they say. We create a property LLC for each home, find and vet co-owners and handle all sale details. Um, at the closing, the co-owners enjoy 100% of the ownership. Picasso does not retain any shares. So I'm imagining there's a buyout in the LLC agreements, which is typical when you have a partner that you're investing with. So if Jim dies and then all and and that's who the it's with and maybe you know it, stacy has the right to buy that back or whatever it might be so um it says they've modernized and simplified the diy co-ownership and they have some video here we're not going to watch because we don't have time uh but uh you know it it it, it sounds like it's a little more traditional than we might have thought so yeah. I, I i don't i don't know the answer here we should probably dig in a little bit now now you have my curiosity peak yeah. um so individual llc's can you imagine a number of llc's that must be set up oh my uh, gosh that would be a lot to work through this process mm -hmm. uh, but that you know to that point if there's an individual llc that platform um, i'm sure they probably set the general operating agreement rules or guidelines or whatever they may be so they're probably putting it on a t for the prospective owners um and they obviously have received their comment does it say how they're compensated tom it, it doesn't. I would imagine it's, there's some sort of fee, fee rolled in. Yeah. So it, fee based. Yeah. And they don't. So I'm at, my, my observation would, I mean, I'm seeing like an app here where you can schedule this and it looks like what, what happens is that you, um, you buy it and then they have a comparison of timeshares versus resort timeshares versus a Picasso home. So they only buy single family residents. They own the real, uh, real estate property usage is ongoing access. And the resale approach is market pricing sell with an agent versus, a timeshare. So obviously, I mean, timeshares, I think are horrible investments. So this is way better than those. Uh, but it looks like that there's 
I mean, there's probably, I would imagine there's like an operating agreement that gets signed with the owners and said, here's what we're going to do. And then if you don't follow them, you can be bought out. Um, you know, it just doesn't, I, I, you know, we're, I think this is something we need to, you know, look into a little more to understand this. Uh, ultimately, they're still going to have to deal with the laws and the neighbors that are getting ticked off. Cause I think that's going to be their biggest. Cause when you have a neighbor, like, have you ever had a neighbor dispute <laughs> with anybody? Uh, I actually have not, but I just, I, I purchased a, a newer home to us and I went in with like pins and needles. I bought the home. I'm like, I actually have no idea what I'm walking into right now because <laughs> you just don't really know. And I can see this is probably what's making, you know, exasperating the problem is that, you know, you know, all of a sudden you think, you know, who your neighbors are, but then there's eight of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody's going to be the same. And I can see that, you know, back to where we started this conversation with these expensive homes, yeah. um, they want what they want. Mm-hmm. If you can afford a home that's $2 million or more, you, you want, you want to know that, 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 that Tom is here or Stacy's here. That's what you want to know. You don't want to know that there's eight of you. Right. Um, so well, I'll be curious. I mean, time will tell. I, I don't think it'd be much of a mystery in the next six to 12 months. So here's here's the exit strategy, and this is just from their FAQ section. Um, if you want to sell the ownership, you can sell at any time after your first 12 months of ownership at a price of your choosing. We have an active network of interested buyers, and the home will also be listed on Picasso and promoted across our marketing channels. So okay. this is a real ownership interest. Um, buyers can finance up to 70% of the purchase. They have to put 30% down. They have their own financing set up, which is no surprise there. And then they vet all owners who agree to a common sense owner code of, co- code of conduct and the home will be reserved for an exclusive use of owners and their guests. So, uh, it, it looks like I mean, it, it looks like it's it's a little more traditional than we anticipated. Uh, and the fact that they have their own marketing network, I mean, they're really going to have to build this because otherwise, these early adopters and these early purchasers, if this goes sideways. I mean, you might be stuck with some funky LLC ownership of a property where you're. <laughs> I mean, that that's where it gets a little dicey. It gets a lot dicey. Yeah. So, you know, to that point, what I'm what I'm hearing right there is that you may not know the other seven owners. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think you're going to at all. <laughs> right. Now, you can also buy a half, or you can buy, and, and maybe, you know, Stacy and I go in on one together. That's a little bit of a different situation. So an eighth is the minimum you can buy, but you can go into the whole thing. Hmm. I think Tom will tell. I don't think it'd be much of a mystery within the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, what I see for the market here, I think this is just going to keep driving prices like everything else because there's all these institutional buyers that are coming into the marketplace right now that's making it tougher for end users. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see this. I see this just creating more inventory issues in certain markets. It's going to drive prices up because people, you know, if someone told me, Hey, you can get a quarter of a vacation property in a place where you couldn't afford a property, but you can afford a quarter. That's going to be attractive to some people depending on what they want. So I, I see it just kind of driving the market in its current direction. I don't, I don't see that changing anything. Yeah, that was it, one it, of the biggest complaints here. Um, they were saying it takes away housing stock from the communities. So that was what a lot of people were complaining about. Yeah. And you also see it with these institutional investors coming in, whatever they may mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we already we have a crunch with lack of inventory, it's going to make it even, it's going to even compound it that much more mm-hmm. because they have the pockets to back it up for a period of time. They're willing to buy and hold. Right. Well, a lot of these companies are okay taking a loss for the first few years too. I mean, I mean, there's so many of these companies that are out there publicly traded. They don't make any money. I mean, it's all, it's all based on, I mean, you look at Zillow, they've been in the red for a long time. And I mean, other, other companies like that, they're, they're okay losing and it's all based on the future. And if they've got the funding to back it up, then yeah, they're, they're going to do that. And what I noticed here is they're only buying single family homes. That to me is very key because that's a much safer investment than doing this with condos and they own half the building. And then you can't get normal financing. I mean, there's so many other things that, 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 that can happen there. 
Yeah, when there's depth of money hanging back there and they can wait a long period of time. Look how long Amazon took to get profit. Yep. And now they're, you know, they're now they're in a ridiculous level. But it took it took it seemed like decades to get to that point. Uh, but there was belief in the system. So I think I think we'll find out. And, you know, I think uh, we'll, we'll see what the next little bit of time brings. All right. So on that note, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back, talk about Title Alliance, talk about Jim, get to know him. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control? 10 seconds. Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we've got special guest CEO of Title Alliance, Jim Campbell, in the house. Jim, again, thanks for coming on. And if you want to watch the live stream, check us out on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Just search Tom Tool Sales Group. And again, Stacy and I work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So we're going to put Jim on the spot, CEO of Title Alliance, Jim. Tell us about your company first, and then we can get into, I mean, we've connected a number of different ways, obviously been working together a long time with your company, which is really great. Full disclosure, we work with Tuttle Alliance, that, uh, our team does that, our firm does that at Remax Mainline, so just to put that out there. But Jim's been in the business a long time, so tell us about your company and, and, and what you guys do. Yeah, hey Tom, it's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So really, it's it's an interesting time uh, to be in the market, and I uh, just want to share with you a little bit about our company, Title Alliance, and, and we're, we're positioned in a number of different markets, and, and right now we're presently in 11 states, uh, operating about 60 branches. So we get the opportunity to go in and partner with, with really high-minded, key professionals in each of the respective markets where we're choosing to do business. Um, one thing we've noticed, and we've been in, in this space of partnering, and, and we're, it's, it's all about being in the people business, one thing that we've noticed is that uh, the last period of time has been an immense strain on the market in the world. Uh, we're all coming out of probably the, the most uh, unpredictable 18 or 19 months that any of us have seen in yes. the real estate industry. Like any of us. I mean, think about it, Tom. Look at your business states. Let me look. Look at what, what's happened is we were, we were going from to the point where if you were to go back to March of 2020, like, is this, are we even going to be in business six from that, six months from now? Legitimate question. 
I mean, when the governor says, hey, you guys can't do any real estate transactions anymore. Stacy was onboarding at the time. I don't know. So she was literally in the interview process, March 16th. That was the last time I saw you. And I mean, you know, anytime someone says you can't do your job, I mean, it, it's it, and it wasn't just us. I mean, they were very vague initially. Then they said insurance companies could, but then title insurance didn't apply. It was it was crazy. It, it was brutal. I, 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 there was actually times because we've we've been uh, Pennsylvania is our home state of business. Although we're in, as I mentioned, we're in eleven states. There were times where I was actually concerned for the governor's well being um, because you're restricting yeah. real estate professionals from doing make earning a living. Um, that's a really tough spot to be. And, uh, you know, what we saw was, was, was this, and I think it pretty much fooled everybody in the business where we're expecting like catastrophic type losses and, and people not doing anything to the point where when things opened up, they really opened up. Yeah. Um, so whatever business in theory was lost, uh, for the, a handful of months, it came back in a fury. Um, that's good, but it comes with challenges. I mean, think about like dealing, how we de- had to deal with this. We're all in the human being business. And we all have an end consumer associated with a transaction. So think about it from their perspective. They went from, well, I want to buy a home. Well, you can't because you can't, mm-hmm. I can't even show you one to the point where you would have, I don't know, 15 to 20 offers on your home. Mm-hmm. So the emotional carnage that, that happened on that level is really, really challenging. Um, what we've seen, and we asked a question and we'll go through and, and we will align it with our partners. And what do you think about the market right now versus even six months ago? And pretty much across the board, um, everybody feels that the balance is starting to get a little bit better, a little bit better. We're not fully there. Anytime you see uh, greatness as far as extremes, um, there's a big risk there, a big risk of just things just falling upside down. We know that anybody that studies real estate will know that um, we're probably overdue for some sort of rebalance, if you will. Um, We just didn't have it. We didn't didn't have it these last three years. Right now, globally, what we're seeing is that in the in the markets that that buyers are still ready to get back in the game. They just want an opportunity. They want a fair shot at a home. And as opposed to there being 20 offers on a home, now there might be three, four, or five, but they're getting back in, which you know, you know at least to the you know, to the perspective, like if you already owned a home, like you're already in a good position because you're selling one to buy another one. But from my perspective, the ones that were really challenged were were first-time home buyers. It was really difficult to get in the game. Well, you bring up a great point there because a lot of those buyers, I mean, the, the, the millennial home, and we've talked about this at length, is that millennial home buyers are the biggest driver. And we saw that before the pandemic because the market was still really hot and, you know, felt like oh, everyone was kind of saying, oh, this is the year rates are going to go up or the market may turn. And then the pandemic happened and we came out on a fury to, to your point but because there's so many millennial home buyers that didn't buy anything. And a lot of them were living in cities, which has been much tougher living in the past 18, 19 months than living in the suburbs. I mean, closer quarters, common entrances, just all the safety and concerns that people have, no matter how you feel about it, that's a challenge. There's 78 million millennials out there. That's more than the baby boomers when they were driving the economy. And you figure some of them are going to get married. Not all of them are going to buy. You got like 35 million people coming to the market and most of them didn't buy homes. I have one. I I have three children. (laughs) Uh, I have one of those. Like no desire whatsoever to own a home. She's 25 years old. Like just no desire. Like not even thinking about it. Um, And that seems to be the trend. They do everything, you know, they do everything on their phones and and, and that world has changed. At some point, not all of them, but most of them, they're going to want to get into that game. So what does that look like for them? You know, and that's going to be, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a big pocket of people in that age group that are looking for their first home. 
That's what we're finding. I mean, what are you seeing? So you're on the front lines, right? So, I mean, are the first time buyers the ones that are getting challenged the most, Stacey, or is it the move? I mean, I, I think there's two components here, but what are you saying? Yeah, I think there's all over, there's a challenge. Um, if, if you're a boomer and you're trying to downsize, you're having an issue because there's nowhere to go to. Uh, you want to sell your house, you know, you want to get out from under the huge, you know, maintenance issues and things like that. But the big question is, well, where do we go? And they're competing really with some of the millennials that are trying to get into the market. If they're trying to downsize to a, a smaller ranch home, home or something, or if they don't want to go to a 55 plus, something like that. Um, but yeah, the, definitely the first time home buyers, it is a challenge. I'm seeing a lot of them getting into the market and, um, you know, over 50% of the mortgage applications are from that age group. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a sign right there. They're, they're really trying to, to jump in and, you know, they're, it's, they haven't done it before. They're nervous, they're afraid, you know, so they definitely need uh, good agents to help guide them through. And I think that's really important, but I, I agree with you. There's, um, been an adjustment with the inventory as of lately. So instead of up against 12 offers, you you might be up against two or three offers. So things are changing a little bit. Um, there's still a lot of competition, but uh, you you can you can uh, have a better shot at it right now. There's a tremendous amount, Stacey. And, and to that point, um, as far as needing a professional, from my perspective, and I am third party, I am, I am, I am not in the real estate um, side of things as far as transaction is concerned. I'm on the title side. Um, from my perspective, there's never been a higher need for having an advocate for you through the transaction there is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm seeing, I've seen crazy stuff, um, across the board <laughs> where people are just like, wave the inspection, uh, yeah. wave this, wave that go in. And, and, and they're really putting themselves in, in a difficult spot because if you think about it, most people in their lives, they might buy four five, six homes total. That would be a lot. I mean, that would I, be a lot. Yeah. That would be like, you've, you've purchased a lot. So how could you assume, you know, to know all the intricacies involved with uh, the transaction? Right. You don't know, you don't know what you actually what don't, you don't know. <laughs> and you see some of the other uh, companies that are coming in from a disruptive basis. It's validating the fact that they know they need professionals. Like even things, it, things are not going to happen on the phone as much as anybody can pick up their, their phone and find out uh, a quote unquote, the ballpark value of their home via Zillow. That doesn't, that just, that just puts you in the game as far as can I afford that house or not. That doesn't get you through the transaction. Sure. Now, that, that, that's a really great point. And just to give some data behind what Jim is saying, because we love data on this show. If you look at the inventory bubbling up a little bit, this time, compared to this time last year in Philadelphia, there's 18.7% more listings than there were through the end of August. So that's, it, that's a big jump. In uh, Montgomery County, 10.2% more listings came to the market through August. In Delaware County, 19%, and in Chester County, 13.4%. So now these are big jumps, but the inventory is so low to begin with because we only saw like a month's supply. It doesn't really feel like it, but the numbers are there. So there are more opportunities, but there's also a lot more buyers. The buyers are just outweighing that right now. Yeah, and I think that's healthy, Tom. I mean, it, 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 was, it, was, it, was, it was out of balance. Mm -hmm. It was out of balance. And it needs to be good for both sides, and it, it absolutely is far from being good on both sides. So I think it's going to get us back into a spot where, where people can get back in the game because uh, you, you guys maybe have heard this, uh, the expression, it's just like buyer fatigue. They're just, yes. like, yeah. they were just real. They're yeah. tired. And, and think yeah. about it. Like you go in with your spouse and you get all excited and you're trying to visualize it. You're, you're going to put your children in this room and there's your playground and this, that, and the other. No, you didn't get the house. Right. And that's just, that'll, that'll wear on you after a while. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm after. starting to see them come back. Like they, they, they still are buyers. They just had enough for that period of time. That period of time. Yeah. Getting knocked out like six or seven times. <laughs> you know, they, they have enough. They're like going with they Mike Tyson a, a couple rounds. Yeah. Like, let's, let's take <laughs> right. a little breather here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's real. And that's a great observation, especially if you're seeing it on, on another part of the transaction that's not in the day-to-day of the sales side, because I mean, it's happening across the board. I mean, you know, they're, and, and, and it's, you're seeing it in title and mortgage. Every, every function of the real estate transaction is overworked right now. I don't care what anyone says because they're not ready for the volume. So knowing that's the case, you know, talk about how important it is to align with the right people. I mean, obviously again, full disclosure, we work with uh, title lines very closely, been working with them a long time. And there's this phrase out there that your network is your net worth, right? So how has that helped the people that you work with and how's that helped your company? Because I, I don't think people lean on their networks enough in these type of situations because that's really where it's at, where you got to go to people you can trust. Well, I mean, I think trust is what it ultimately comes down to. It's about leveraging your relationships and frankly, doing business with people you know, like, and trust. Um, Because you think about, you know, where we are as far as timing is concerned. And there are things back to a comment a little bit earlier, but you don't know what you don't know. Uh, So one thing when you establish a relationship with somebody, at least you know the rules of engagement, how, you know, what the expectations are between parties. So I've seen it. I mean, one-stop shopping is nothing new in the real estate industry. So it, you're hard-pressed to go into any uh, significant real estate company in the state of Pennsylvania and beyond, whereby uh, there is not a better control of the process and why. They don't want mysteries happening at the end in transactions. Mm-hmm. So the best way to do that is put yourself in a position to be an owner versus someone that's leasing. And the, the only way to do that is establish relationships because here's something that's really, it's, it's, been, it's, run, it's been running rampant for a long period of time. And it's one of the biggest threats that exist out there. And it ultimately impacts the end consumers is the fact that there is so much cyber fraud going on right now. Uh-huh. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. So last year to put things in perspective, we probably closed roughly 26,000 transactions in our, in our, in, in our respective companies. Um, so 26,000 transaction is a lot of, that's a big sample a size here. I just want to, that's a ton of houses. So this is not like we did 300 deals in which uh, 26,000 keep going. 20, yeah. So it's 26,000, not a single week has gone by where someone hasn't hacked into someone's email and redirected money to someone's account that is not theirs. Wow. Um, fortunately, I don't want to jinx myself because it's terrible when you say things. We, we were able to catch a lot of that stuff really early. Um, and, and so far our recovery has been, we've bat, we're batting a thousand on that front because we're able to get to it within the first 24 hours. Um, but that goes back to alignment. Like if you, if you don't have a, a good process with somebody that you're in business with on whatever level, you know, it doesn't really matter level, a good process, you're putting yourself in harm's way. Cause it's really a difficult story. I've seen cases where, where literally a widow was coming up. She was moving up from Florida. She was buying a home. Her email got hacked. Bad things happen. She wired $140,000 to someone that wasn't her title company. And, and really, is it the title company's fault? It's actually not. Is it a realtor's fault? It's actually not. However, back to the point, people might buy three, four, five, six homes a year. How would they know? So, so how, how can you avoid that? Really, whoever you're in business with, there needs to, there, there has to be, there has to be a system in place. Um, there's no reputable title company anywhere that will ever call you and ask you to change wiring instructions. And that's something you guys told us from the beginning is that, Hey, we're not going to call you. We're not going to do this at the last minute. I, I know there's secure servers. I mean, you see this stuff all the time. So it's, here's how we're going to do it. And if anything deviates, stop everything and let's figure this out. And, and that's probably the best piece of advice you can give a consumer 
but then it's on the agent to explain. Like it, it needs to be communicated every single time because if you don't do that, then people can lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can, and and and, and they're really on the hook because there's really no chance if it makes it past that next stage, there's no chance of recapture. So far, we've been fortunate because we, we, as I mentioned, we found ours within the first 24 hours, and the bad guys didn't move the money quickly enough. Mm-hmm. So we had 24 hours to go get it back. But at some point, they're going to they'll, they'll move faster, right. and 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 now we're starting to see the trend kind of pivot a little bit, whereby uh, they're going through and and they're redirecting payoffs. So mm. instead of Jim's Wells Fargo uh, mortgage that he has. Uh, they'll they'll make it look like they'll have the the, the red and, and orange logo. They'll, they'll they'll actually even sometimes even create portals and say, "Help! Here's your payoff. Wow. Send us two hundred thirty thousand dollars there to pay off your mortgage." But it's going the wrong spot. Yeah, so that's been the that's been the trend. So anytime there's opportunity, bad guys come in and try and take advantage of it. Who ultimately gets hurt? The consumers. Right. The consumers. Wow. So in a, in in a market where things are moving really fast and things have been moving really really fast. Uh, I would just urge everybody just to take your breath a little bit, use a little caution. Um, you probably want to go back to the old school, get your inspection, do all those things, but be really diligent to make sure you work the process and protect your money. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about inspections on the next segment because there is, you know, questions of what happens when you waive the inspection, what are your rights? And that's, that's so great segue, not intentional by Jim here. So <laughs> what, what I love is that you know, we're talking about going back to basics, slowing down, doing things the right way, because I find that in any business and our business, just as much as anything else, that when you get away from the basics and you get away from your process, that's where you get in trouble. And when you're taking shortcuts, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're a big believer in that process, but talk a little bit about that, because I know everyone wants everyone to move super fast. Sometimes it, it, it's it, you just can't do it. You got to wait a little bit. Sometimes speed kills. And, and so you're coming off and off of I'm going to say the industry. Who was incredibly taxed last year like i just know from my own perspective in this market in, in, in the philadelphia market last year the third quarter we were up 40 percent above where we were before well here's the problem is that uh the people aren't there to support that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. You, you saw it on every side you saw extreme frustration from our real estate professionals you saw the, the lending side they were equally as challenged and our side so what happens is mistakes will come into play um, you know, one of the things that you, you know, that you should really step back and look at is that because emotions are an all time high, like across the board, you know, buyers coming in, like, should I buy this home or should I not, uh, it, you know, real estate professionals going in and being frustrated because they had to put in 10 offers. Um, that's all, that's are all difficult circumstances, but the best thing you do is really to just slow it down just a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things that it seems obvious to me, cause it's the space that we're in, but sometimes there's a rush for example, to have your home close on a certain day. Um, and like, like closing on the 30th of the month that everyone tries for to stack example, up. Tom, yes. Right. The, the Friday the, on the 30th of a month before yeah. a holiday weekend, the, the right. speaking, yes. which we tell everyone not to do by the way. Right. And, and that, but that's a great example because everyone thinks, Oh, well, I'm not going to have to make that extra interest payment, but it makes it so inconvenient that the little bit of money you're saving could really cause a lot more problems, but keep going. Well, well, think oh, a lot. A lot of things can happen because you're dependent upon lenders. You're dependent upon. So if you pick the thirtieth of any given month, um, <laughs> how many build? How, how many movers are out there? Like, are you going to get every moving company at the same time to yep. do that? Right. And I think the minds. I think really that just becomes lack of education. Um, that the fact that you're actually not paying a dime more. Um, but what do you want? Like, say so if you're going to buy three, four, five homes a year, you want that experience to be right. 
So what I would say is take a day or two off of work. You're making the, one of the largest mm -hmm. investments you're ever going to make. Take a day or two off. This way, if there's an issue with whatever, uh, it could be title, it could be lending. If there's an issue, you have a day or two to recuperate. The last thing you want to do is have all your personal items sitting in a truck with your kids running around and you not have a home to roll into. Right. That's not fun. Mm -hmm. That's not fun. So slow it down just a little bit. Just, just, just go in and, and, and align and deal with people that, that have a system. They're professionals for a reason because they have a process in place. Well, I, I love that because we actually like we talk about this at our team all the time is you probably want to settle somewhere between Tuesday and Thursday yep. because Monday, everyone's getting into the office. Friday, you're going into the weekend right. and try to pick it in the afternoon because the lender's probably going to be late sending the wire or they could be coming from the East Coast or the West Coast or the mountain time or whatever. And on top of it, you know, don't pick the, the time that everyone else is picking. I mean, you know, my, my wife and I moved last year, you know, and we settled the first week of the month on a Tuesday. Because I knew no one was the only settlement you guys had scheduled for the whole company. And this was last year. And she came in. We had our kids there. It was a total disaster. They were screaming. And we got out of there. And it was fine. And we were in and out in 45 minutes, which is no normally not how long it takes. So that's I, Everyone should write this down that's listening yeah. to the show. Follow Jim's advice here because it's going to make it a lot less stressful. And if we can remove stress from the transaction, I know that's our goal. That's your goal. But you got to think about it. You can't just say, well, I have to do this day and this reason. There's got to be flexibility and you got to think through what you're doing, not just what you think it's, it, it, it is what people have done for however long time has been around. Yeah, I think we have a responsibility with the people that we, we do business with. And I say this globally is to make that experience as pleasurable as possible. Right. And you put yourself at an extreme disadvantage when you're dependent. Everybody in this industry, you're dependent upon other parties. Best thing you do is just neutralize some of the, the, the friction times and drop in and pick that window mm -hmm. because – uh, you're doing, you're really doing um, a buyer a disservice, buyer and seller for that matter, but particularly a buyer, you're doing them a disservice by just putting them in a spot where they just may not be moving in when they think that they're moving in. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where tremendous frustration comes into play. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's, that's the worst part of the process. I mean, it's one thing getting the home sold or buying the home and doing all that, but then the actual moving, like that's where people like they just, they, they lose it because it's, it's, and like, you know, the mover breaks something or they don't show up on time and you got everything lined up so perfectly, you got to have build in some room for error because if you don't do that, I mean, there's so many people involved here and that's why real estate makes up 17% of the GDP. A lot of people forget that. Well, think about it. So when we were going through like last year, uh, the impact that it had in our, in our home state of Pennsylvania, the trickle down effect, it was, it was tremendous because everybody was shut down. Like everybody was shut down. So everything was associated with the landscape. I mean, you name it because people, they're not doing landscaping if they're not going into their home, whatever it may be, not, not in that fashion. So there was the trickle down effect of, of what's going to happen in our economy. Mm -hmm. um, things have definitely stabilized. And, and, and from my perspective, as much as I want the transaction, because they will come organically, um, I think we're at a much healthier place right now. Rates are still pretty much at a darn near an all time low. Um, there are still are opportunities out there. There are so many opportunities that exist. Just be a little bit patient. Try and pull your emotions out just a, a hair or two. Be a little bit more patient, and you're going to find that home that you're ultimately looking for. Mm -hmm. I agree. 100%. And the data shows there's opportunities just by the amount of new listings. You know, when people complain about inventory levels, that's the stuff that's sitting on the market. The best homes sell quickly, and that's where it's critical to find someone that can keep you updated in real time because it might only be on the market a couple of days. That might be, but at least know about it in advance. Or on your on the selling side, have an agent who knows how to launch the property so days on market could be short and exposure is really high and wide. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes to I mean, it, 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 
the door swings both ways. Same thing when you're when you're listing your property. I mean, it, it there's where you need the utmost professionalism to come into play. Mm -hmm. um, the, usually, the biggest mistake that happens, and I am not a real estate agent, the biggest mistake that happens is people go in and they'll list their their homes way too high. They'll go above <laughs> the market. They'll associate it, and there'll be a stigmatism associated with that. Yep. What's in my opinion, it's the, the worst thing that you can do. Couple price drops. Couple Everybody price thinks, drops. What's wrong with that house? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. So we're gonna, Jim. Anything else you want to add in here? Where can people connect with you? What, what's, what's the best way uh, to, 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 to connect with Jim Campbell, CEO of Title Alliance? Yeah, I mean, go to the I, website or yeah, go to the website uh, www.titlealliance.com. Happy to share my information. Uh, my email is jcampbell at titlealliance.com. And uh, I'm, I'm really here to help in, in any capacity. We've been we've been doing business in, in this area for a long, long period of time. And we're proud to go out and just provide information and just try and try and help the process as we move along. Love it. Well, grateful to have you on the show. Good stuff here. Thanks for coming on. You're more than welcome to stay for the next segment. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about you waive the inspections. What are your rights and what kind of happens next? Because a lot of people don't know what the agreement of sale says. Right. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your 10 seconds? Stand by. Have a license or not? Call us today at 610 692 6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. This is WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell, and we bribed CEO of Title Alliance, Jim Campbell, to stay on for the last segment here, which is very exciting. Grateful for your time. And what we want to talk about next and is waiving inspections because we've started to see that this is less common than it was maybe three, four months ago because inventory creeped up a little bit. It's up about 20% roughly across the region without going granular. And what a lot of people aren't realizing is that just because you waive the inspections, doesn't mean there's not other rights in the transaction. There's things like maintenance and risk of loss. We just went through a hurricane that damaged a lot of properties. Mm -hmm. There's use and occupancy inspections, right. lender required repairs. And before we get into this, this is where if you're thinking about getting into the real estate business, it is critical you hook up with an organization that will prep you for this because there's people's money at stake. It's their life savings. It's a huge financial decision for them. And that's how we prep all our agents. So if you're not licensed, check out realestatescholarshipprogram.com. If you are licensed and want to know more about our team, check out workwithtomtool.com. 
and we can get you connected and get your career off to the right foot or re-energize it. So, Stacy, I want to start with you. So, I mean, talk about, you know, so the contract gets signed. There's no inspections. But let's say something happens. We're dealing with all these natural disasters. you got a foot of water in the basement. Does the buyer have any rights? Absolutely. The buyer has a lot of rights when it comes to something like that. Um, under the agreement of sale, the homeowner has to keep, the, the seller has to keep the property in the same condition. So obviously, if there's been a, a loss to that um, asset, it has to either be repaired back to the original condition um, or the buyer can uh, terminate. Because the lender is not going to lend. If, if they have a mortgage contingency, the lender is not going to lend on a damaged property to that extent. So there, there's um, things in place. Again, the use and occupancy. Uh, most local townships um, or municipalities have certain standards of safety issues that have to be uh, repaired, corrected before a seller can um, go to closing. So safety issues like loose handrails, smoke detector, CO2 detector, shutoff um, for any heaters, things like that. So buyers are protected uh, by the use and occupancy certification. The other thing too is if you are getting a mortgage, uh, the appraiser comes out. So there's other issues that appraisers will look for if it's a VHA uh, or I mean FHA or VA <laughs> loan. Here I go again. <laughs> VA or FHA, to be super clear. <laughs> right. I had this problem last week. It's okay. Um, so they'll look for, you know, any roofing issues, chipping paint, safety issues, loose handrails, things like that. Again, CO2 um, detectors and smoke alarms. So buyers are protected uh, that way also by the appraisers. So, so Jim, I, I, you're in a little bit of a different realm here with with title. But I mean, I, I you know, we talked about how everyone's overworked. I know there's been a lot of delays with appraisers having to see like pictures or having to go out to properties. So how have you guys been handling that on like a high level uh, sort of thing because this is a it's a problem right now for a lot of folks. We had a hurricane what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, yeah. whatever it was, and you know it hit Chester County really hard. We had tornadoes. I mean, it, it was a little little crazy. bananas. Yeah, it, it's been crazy, and and as we all know, the market has been so so robust, and people will do things that they wouldn't normally do. And we've seen so many inspections being waived um, because they want to get the transaction. Right. They're mm -hmm. waving they're waving pretty much everything to get the home that they want, and. I, I would not necessarily ever advocate it, but I, it's a little bit of a double standard because I actually just did it. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was in a competitive market for a home and I knew there was only one shot for me to get this home. And I had, I had to, I had to just pull out as many contingencies as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. Now I took an educated chance based upon what I perceived the quality of the home to be. Right. However, that was a chance that was, that was on, on me. Right. Um, and it was, you know, just, a, it was just a, 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 a a guess that I took that it would pay off. Now that said, most situations, I would not recommend that in any way, shape or form mm -hmm. because you go in and you just, sometimes you don't, you know, most of us, we're not in the, in the building industry. We don't even know what we're missing. We, we, we don't see, mm -hmm. we just don't know. Right. Well, I think that's, that, that's, that's the problem. It's, it's, a, it's an educated risk. You know, if my wife comes to me and says, and, and, you know, it all depends. There's all these emotional parts that we talk about. I got to live on the street. And, you know, the only way you're going to get the house, and sometimes this is what we have to tell people, even if it's, you know, it's up to them and that's, that's how we work. The only way to get it is waive the inspection. You got a decision to make. Now, whether you make that decision or not, that's up to you. Uh, and that, that's where it gets a little dicey. And I think what people are starting to realize is that just be, and, and sellers are the last ones to know always. Like they don't read the contract. They see the price, no inspections. Right. Great. 
well, you've got to deal with the township. It says the seller is responsible for that. And if they don't do it, the buyer can get out. You get a foot of water in the basement, and there's mold. You got to remediate that mold. You got to take care of it, or you got to give a credit. This is what the agreement of sale says in Pennsylvania. You don't waive your rights to that. And a lot of people aren't realizing that now. And they're saying, well, what do you mean? It was as is. Well, it's as is, but you bear the risk of loss between now and settlement. And then any like FHA, VA required repairs or from the insurance company too. And this is what a lot of people don't, don't realize. That's where we would talk to your brother-in-law, Kevin Hamill, about this with alliances. You probably heard the commercial on the show where like the hailstorm in Chester County eight years ago, or however long that was, some homes had to get a new roof to sell. Like there was, was no wow. option. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you got a, a, a good price on a roof, but, uh, <laughs> but that was a real, like Westchester, Chester yep. Springs, Downingtown, that whole area, they got, they got drilled with that. So there is risk when you waive your inspections. And, and the point is that there are some protections if you went in and let's say you had a contractor buddy come look at it, or you took a really thorough look like you did. Um, and you know, the risk, but it's not like, Hey, it's no holds barred after this because things can happen. And, and all the more reason that some sellers shouldn't want these longer term settlements, I mean, imagine, you know, a 60 day close versus 120 day close. You're literally doubling your risk of what could happen. Yeah. I mean, I think this this market is just exasperated all the problems that existed. I agree mm -hmm. with that. Um, we're starting to see. So if you would ask me this question six months ago, a significant percentage, not the majority, but a significant percentage, they were waiving inspections. Correct. If they wanted a shot, they were waiving. It, it was about 20 percent nationally last year is what we saw, which which is huge, by the way. I yep. mean, and and we saw that we don't have the data yet for this year, but that that's where it was until about like May or June. Mm -hmm. So just just to give some data there. Keep it, going. It, it bumped up. So you know, now I asked the question, like, you know, I'll, I'll go to our professionals, real estate professionals, what's going on now? And and basically the answer is things are starting to stabilize a little bit and they're starting to see less of of of, of the waving of inspections. Mm -hmm. Which is ultimately good. I mean, we got to when we had an imbalance with inventory. Right. Now we're starting to work our way back to some spot which is actually acceptable in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mention that because we literally just ran a training today because we've had some new agents that have come on during the pandemic, and they're like, "What do you mean we negotiate the home inspection?" <laughs> it was it was like unheard of to them. And right. it, it's the market that you're in, and you gotta you gotta go to the market in some cases, and literally just sitting down and going through. Okay, here's what the options are. Here's what you can do. And, you know, the reality is if, if you're taking care of your home and you're a seller, you're probably not going to have a lot of issues. The people that defer stuff or say it's not it's a used home, I'm not going to fix things. Mm -hmm. That's where you get into trouble with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the buyers have to understand. They have to have a clear understanding of what's going on. And it is situational. I mean, there's some homes that are on the market built in 2016, 17, 18. You can probably waive inspections pretty comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going in and you're looking at the 1945 built home and it has a well and a septic, you're not waiving inspections. I would, you just can't waive a well or a septic inspection. Um, that I would never advise buyers to do that. Uh, if they wanted to, that would be up to them. If they're an investor and, or they're a contractor and they're comfortable with that, that's one thing. But uh, I think you really have to educate the buyers what they're getting into, what it means to waive inspections. Uh, I think that term is thrown around a lot and they really don't have a deep understanding of what that is. Yeah, I mean, I you make a great point with that because uh, you can never say something is not a good practice. Because if a home is three years old and it's built by the most reputable builder in, in, in the marketplace, you're mm -hmm. probably going to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. um, but if, but if you go back, if you use that same principle, back to your point, it could be it could be a real mess. Unless, unless that buyer has the firepower to be able to withstand some of the problems that can happen, mm -hmm. it's on them. Right, exactly. 
and this is how transactions used to go, by the way, this was like, I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. There's been inspections around since then, but like when my dad was practicing like the seventies and eighties, I mean, home inspections weren't a thing. It was like, good luck. Let's let, let you know how it goes with the house. And you know, some people are more equipped to deal with that than others. If you're in construction or you have family in construction, you might not care and say, you know, we're going to fix it anyway. We're going to redo it. And my dad can help me out. Or I got a brother-in-law or I'm doing it myself. Um, some people are handier than others. So there is a judgment call here because sometimes getting the house is what people want. So, you know, no, knowing that's the case, I think what buyers need to know is that just because you waive the inspection, you still got to deal with the township stuff. Some of those townships and boroughs and Ooh. municipalities are harder than others, They're especially rough. if you're in your Delaware County yes, or in Philadelphia. If there's known violations, that's got to get cleared or you got to be OK with it. Mm -hmm. Chester County's a little looser because just the, because the counties are a little more rural out there. So it really depends. Uh you know, with, with Hurricane Ida, you don't lose your the, the, the seller's right to maintain the property. And anything coming from the lender that has to get done to fund your loan or you need insurance that has to get done to fund the loan because you need insurance to get a mortgage, you're protected there. And I think that that's the, probably the most important thing for buyers to know. Anything else you guys want to add in here? We got about a minute left on the show um, that you want to talk about regarding this issue because I think it's really important people know their rights. I guess we're getting played out like the Oscars here. That's it. So That's it. The, the carpet's coming the down. <laughs> so we yeah. know how to get in touch with Jim. You want to reach out to Stacy. The best place to follow her is on Instagram at the number two, Mitchco, M-I-T-C-H-C-O. Follow me at, at TomTool3RD on Instagram, at TomTool the third. Google us. Search us on Facebook, Tom Tool Sales Group. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM.